Welcome to episode 173 of the Rugby League Republic podcast with your hosts, Tish and Dr. T. In this episode of the podcast, we discuss Todd Payton rejecting the Warriors coaching gig, Suwali to join the Rabbitohs, The Rock buying the XFL, and much more. Join us as we build a rugby league community for all. The Rugby League Republic podcast starts right now. Welcome to episode 173 of the Rugby League Republic podcast, where we aim to bring you the everyday fans' perspective on the greatest game of all, Rugby League. This is Rugby League for the people. I'm your co-host, Dr. T. Joining me is Tish. Tish, how are you going this week? Oh, Dr. T, I am doing amazing. Um, unlike my West Tigers, who are doing uh, dreadful. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Madge getting uh, quite upset out there at, uh, at, at Tiger 10. But you know what, the footy, it was good. I think it was a great round of footy, despite my Tigers losing. Um, the Indigenous round, always a fun one, but um, some really fantastic tries and some really fantastic football. Um, you know, the whole uh, rule changes really made last week's rugby league so exciting, and uh, it's been great. How about you, yourself there, Dr. T? Uh, yeah, look, getting... Uh, well, we had a bit of a scare, the Eels. Uh, i, I got to admit, this week has mm. been, uh, you know... Uh, t- Look, it's it's been it, it, what's what's the right word? It's been a bit uh, cautious. I think, I think the yeah. eels are on shaky ground at the moment. Uh, they they mm. slip. They're in, at the chance of slipping down the ladder, and yeah. they almost let the bottom place bulldogs, you know, beat them. Uh, and they really yeah, should have uh, performed a, a lot better. So. You know, but then again, yeah. as I've always said, that the this rivalry, the Bulldogs and the Eels, is always going to bring something special, and it's always a danger game for the for whichever team is uh, on top. It's always a danger game, no matter where the other team is on the ladder. You always know that it's going to be, uh, you know, there's always a potential for a surprise, and there, there almost was one. And uh, yeah, that that sort of makes me a bit cautious. But look, there's also We've got a lot to talk about. There's been a lot of interesting things happening, which uh, yeah. I've got to say, look, again, this goes back to what we always say here, which is, uh, you know, the rugby league is just so full of drama. There's always something happening. Um, but what we also, uh, you probably have noticed, those of you who listened to the beginning of this, uh, we are going to talk about uh, a non-rugby league story, but we're going to find a way to weave rugby league into it because... Yep. Because I think it's the kind of uh, anyway. This, I'll, I'll keep it to later. Yeah. Let's just say, well, if you smell, well, if you the... smell what we're cooking, <laughs> absolutely. we'll talk about absolutely. that later. Anyway, sorry. What, well, what were you well, going to say? Well, that's the versatile thing of uh, rugby league. It kind of fits into everything, you know. Like uh, if you've got the TV guide right, and you're like, okay, uh, I want to watch drama, then you can watch rugby league. I want to watch romance. Well, you can watch, you know, a bit of bromance on Rugby League. Uh, I want to watch a bit of, uh, you know, action. Well, you know, Rugby League's full of action. You know, I want to talk, um, you know, uh, crime scene investigation. <laughs> oh, that's well, not, that's not, no, no, no. Jeff, Jeff Toovey and, and his, 
you know, extensive investigations oh, and, yeah, uh, yeah. You, know, you, you know, that kind of thing. So I want to watch a bit of science. You know, Brad Fittler's got some interesting, uh, you know, stories around atmosphere and grass all the time. So uh, it is. <laughs> or you can just talk to the Cronulla Sharks about their scientific, the, the latest in their scientific endeavours. Anyway. Yeah, that's right. So, so rugby league fits uh, a part of every person's life. You know, there's also, you know, finance uh, report, the salary cap. Uh, you know, we've all, 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 you know, got our, got our, uh, you know, people calculating. So, you know, yeah, look, let's let's try to weave rugby league into everything. I think we could make that uh, possible. That's that's probably the uh, the desire of this show actually to try and get rugby league relatable to everything out there. Well, that's the thing. We we are the everyday fan of rugby league, and rugby league is the everyday fan sport. Uh, yeah, it it can I be. I think it's the Google of sport. <laughs> that's right. It is the. Uh, it's the uh, yeah. It's absolutely. It is the. Uh, <laughs> it's the. Uh, <laughs> I can't even think what I'm going to say. <laughs> it's right. It's the. It's the something. It's the something of sport. I, I can't. I'm, I've lost. I've lost my train. No, no. I was going to say it's the uh, who's who's always on TV. It's the you know. It's the Cameron Dado of sport. No, no. <laughs> it's the. It's the what's his name? Grant Denyer. It's a Grant Denyer of sport. Denier, yeah, he's right. just everywhere. You know, it's that kind of thing. But look, um, look. Let's Peter Hellier. Actually. It's a Peter Hellier. I don't know. Look, look it, it keeps changing every year. That's that's, that's the right. kind of uh, sport it is. But look, we are pumped up. There's uh, there's only how many how many? There's only eleven rounds to go. No, there's only eight or nine rounds to go. Yeah, eight eight more games. Uh, eight left. more games. So that there you go for each team. So you know this is normally four weeks to go before the. You know this is anxious August, right? You know anxiety August, where you whether your team's going to make it or not, and. Uh, but you still have another me- month after this, right? Because we're not going to play finals till October. So yeah, it's it's heating up in the NRL, and uh, yeah, lots of uh, I've got to say, lots of teams moving up, down, and around. Yeah, and uh, you know, typically we would have, uh, you know, we would be in the state of origin, uh, post state of origin glow, uh, where yes. we just had the. You know, but the reality in 2020 is, uh, you know, we have we have different states now fighting against each other this time to close up their borders. This is what's happening in Australia. Unbelievable things yeah. with uh, what's happening with the pandemic, unfortunately. But um, yeah, well, uh, our thoughts, we, you know, let's just say our thoughts go out to everyone in Victoria because they're dealing with a very difficult situation at the moment. Uh, and obviously the rest of Australia is waiting uh, to see what happens and what their very uh, very harsh measures will will do to sort of stop the pandemic and, and stop the spread. Uh, and really, we're all in it together because whatever, if they can succeed, it's, it's a success for the rest of us in Australia. So um, let's see how it goes. But um, all right, without any further ado, let's jump into our tackles. So here we go with our first tackle, the round 12 wrap. All right, game one, the Rabbitohs defeating the Dragons 32-24. to 24. Tish, uh, did you catch this game at all? Oh, look, I did catch this game. I thought it was absolutely amazing. You know, the Dragons got out to, I think they got out to a 12-0 lead before the Rabbitohs started to hit. Um, and, yeah, some of the tries that the Rabbitohs scored were absolutely fantastic. Essentially what happened is, is that... Uh, 
you know, uh, Adam Reynolds. Yeah, Adam Reynolds, he was injured, I think, uh, sort of 20 minutes in. And then um, suddenly Cody Walker was running the Rabbitohs, basically. You know, he became the main playmaker and everything. And, uh, you know, the good thing about Cody Walker is that he's the type of player that sort of, you know, he's not, a, he's not much of a, a, a structured player. He's a very unstructured player. He sort of grabs the ball. He sees the opportunities and he goes for it. And um, you certainly saw him do that. It was like a masterclass of watching. You know, it was kind of like watching a Cliff Lyons back in the day sort of thing. You know, just uh, unbelievable, like, you know, presence of where they are on the field and what they were doing. And then on top of that, you also had the class of, uh, you know, Latrell Mitchell and, um, you know, uh, Dan Gagai. Uh, and also, oh, sorry, the uh, the other guy, which which I don't think that – I think he's actually looking for a new club next week. Dylan – no, not Dylan Walker. Uh, is it? Uh, sorry, they're um, – there we go. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Anyway, they, they've got another player in there, but they all scored. Oh, you, Alex Johnson, you mean? Alex Johnson, that's it. That's yeah, it. Sorry, yeah. yeah. And, and Alex Johnson, I've got to say, Alex Johnson is probably one of the premier backs in the competition. There is a. There was one. Uh, he just basically beat some players uh, purely on speed, and uh, you know it's kind of a shame. Uh, I think the the mail is because he won't be playing fullback at the Rabbitohs. They are going to release him next year and he'd be a good buy for any club out there so um yeah but look very good and what a way to start off the indigenous round uh particularly on the side of uh the rabbitos because all four uh sorry so all their tries all their points were scored by indigenous players so um just <laughs> what a way to sell op- open the celebration of indigenous culture in the nrl Absolutely, and that's a look. I wonder if that's well. I don't know if it's a record, but I wonder if it's a record that that uh, you know uh, you've got that many points because there were thirty-two points. That's not a that's a pretty good performance. Yeah. Six tries to five. So um, yeah, we've got to look into that. But yeah, a great start to the Indigenous round, uh, followed up by not so good a start. If you <laughs> if you're a Tigers fan, <laughs> the Warriors oh, yeah. defeating the Tigers twenty-six to twenty. Tish, walk me through your emotions there. It was four tries apiece. It ended up being, um, you know, down to basically uh, goals. Uh, yes. And, but, yeah, so what were, what were your thoughts there? Well, I think this is one thing that the Tigers have been shaky with is that they don't have a goal kicker. And, um, you know, they missed basically uh, – well, they only got 50%, two, two out of four conversions – and no penalty goals. Meanwhile, the difference was Cody Nikarima's five goals from five attempts, um, which certainly did, which certainly sort of helped. But look, I think the other thing that you've got to make mention is that, you know, the Tigers were leading, I believe it was 8-0, uh, Moses and, and David Nefaluma uh, scoring. Um, and it wasn't until the 18th minute that the Warriors had actually, um, you know, had actually scored. But as soon as the Warriors had sort of started to play, uh, the Tigers had no answers for them, and it's uh, it is quite disappointing the, just the way how the Tigers, uh, you know, capitulated. They've, uh, you know, everybody's been talking about how great they've been since Brisbane, but they haven't won a game since their massive demolition of Brisbane. So I've got to say that there is some issues with the lineup, and uh, look, it's a typical thing that a lot of Tigers uh, fans have seen. Um, you know, the great Michael Clark, he's, he's been on uh, the radio, talk, you know, as a Tiger supporter, also talking about how frustrating it is as a fan to see this team always finishing on 9th and 10th. But I think 
we're starting to see part of the reasons why. And one of them is basically they do drop these games against teams they should be beating. Um, on the other hand, the Warriors, they've had an absolute washing machine of a time in the NRL, just <laughs> flying left and right everywhere. And look, a good win for them. And I think the thing about the Warriors, you've got to, you've got to admire the fact that they, um, yeah, there have been some blowouts. Yeah, there have been some games where they, they haven't performed. But overall, despite everything that's happened to them this year, um, you know, you can't you can't take uh, playing them for granted because they will turn up. And uh, there's some great com- uh, camaraderie with the Warriors. I know they've got some lone players out there as well, but some of the lone players like Jack Hetherington, um, they're really they're playing uh, they're playing for the Warriors like they're playing for their life. It's it's actually great to see. So disappointing as a Tiger supporter, but I think um, you know some hopeful Warriors fans. Yeah, and I've got to say the the Tigers. I think uh, you know looks like they're actually winning at halftime, fourteen eight, I believe. So yeah, you know this is another example of you know maybe something happens at halftime and they just completely capitulate, <laughs> like they don't play the full eighty minutes, and it's really unfortunate. But you know, and there was I did notice there was something in the news with Michael Maguire, you know, t- allegedly kicked the a chair behind yeah. him in frustration. It wasn't even that bad, but to be honest. If that's the worst that he does uh, during their during his uh, post or mid game spiels, I think he needs to up the ante. He needs to uh, potentially do an apprenticeship un- under Des Hasler to really yeah. work out how you you scare the bejesus out of your uh, your, your players because they need look they need to have something uh, a kick in the butt yeah. basically to remind yeah, them yeah. of what they need to do because uh, they just seem to not uh, I don't know what is it lack of leadership or Lack of just uh, composure. What is it? Yeah. Look, I'm, I'm not. I'm not sure, but I think what you said is is right. If you, you if you actually look at the Melbourne Storm and you look at uh, Trent Robinson and even Brad Arthur, all these great coaches in the NRL at the moment, that they they're not they're willing to make the tough decisions and give their uh, players a bit of a spray. And I think that's what you need to do for standards. So I think it comes down to standards. Um, you know, I heard him, uh, Maguire, say that, look, we want to be the best team at doing, uh, you know, the takes no skills, um, you know, aspects of the game. You know, it doesn't take that much skill to be, you know, uh, making sure that you're onside at every play. It doesn't take that much skill to communicate to everybody else in the team, you know. They're the type of things that Michael Maguire looks at, um, you know, we might be looking at the flashy skill. We might be looking at the missed tackles and everything like that. But he's trying to look for that effort. And I think he's just not seeing the effort there. And that's, that's probably what's been costing the Tigers all these years. It's just they've had the talent, but have they been willing to do the, um, you know, the I suppose the, you know, the work that sort of goes unnoticed, you know, making sure that everybody's onside before a penalty so you can take it quickly and, you know, just things like that. And you do see them loitering around. I mean, even when the game was in the balance, um, you know, just them sort of strolling up to take a scrum, it just wouldn't make sense, you know. So mm. um, those are the type of things that actually uh, I think good coaches look for. And I think that, and I think that's where the Tigers are, are sort of uh, going wrong. And look, this, to be honest with you, um, if you look through their draw, um, they're not going to make it. They, I, I don't think they can. They have to end up, they pretty much have to turn around and become a a top, top four side uh, this week uh, to be able to make it because they do they have to play Parramatta they have to play the Roosters they have to play Penrith they're playing the Knights this weekend 
um, that's a pretty big uh, task. It's like five out of their remaining eight games left. So, um, you know, that's, that's going to be a really tough ask for them at all, uh, to make it. So, yeah. All right. The next uh, game, and again, full of excitement, Sharks 36 over the Broncos 26. And look, for the first 60 minutes, let's just say the first 70 minutes, the Broncos were ahead and were winning 26 to, what was it? 26 to 18, I think it was. Um, and then three tries in the last 10 minutes, basically, to the Sharks uh, sealed the deal. Uh, they ended up storming ahead, winning 36 to 26. Um, look, you'd be pretty disappointed with everything the Broncos have gone through to be that close, you know, with 20 minutes to go to defeating the Sharks, who are no, no, you know, they're kind of top eight quality team um, and then just to totally capitulate again to me when when you see these sort of capitulations happening I think it, the question mark needs to be over the mental the mental state or the mental resilience level of your team and I think part of it has a lot to do with the the youth and inexperience of the Broncos, and I think that's uh, I think that's what came through this time, right when they were mm. at the chance of uh, turning it around, turning their whole season around, they uh, they dropped their bundle. So you know maybe they just started to get lazy, just like you said about the Tigers. It is something about you know putting the hard work in to do the little things because you know that yeah. if you do if you get them right. Uh, the results will follow, and the good teams do it. The good teams are clinical about it, and the teams that have, uh, you know, I think maybe a lot, 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 lot less experience, uh, and you know that in, in this sort of uh, at this level, is uh, this is what you see. So, yeah, Sharks over the Broncos, thirty six twenty six. Any quick thoughts? Oh, look, the Sharks—they've been on a roll. I think it's like their fourth win in five matches or something like that or their fifth win in six matches and it's it's interesting some of their uh some of their more experienced players have haven't played for the last few weeks so they've uh, gone in with a few much a uh, few of their younger players uh the thing about the the young sharks players is that they you got to remember they played for Newtown last year and uh Newtown won the premiership coming from behind so i think um i think the group they've got coming underneath their top squad it's actually a really good group of young players, and um, they showed their class coming in. You know, they, you know, the Broncos were doing well for the vast majority of this game, and uh, the Sharks sort of, you know, uh, came on top of them towards the end. So, great performance by the young Sharks. And look, uh, uh, can it get any more worse for Brisbane? Probably not. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, uh, Roosters uh, over the Titans, eighteen points to twelve. Uh, interestingly enough. Two tries apiece, including a magnificent one to Manu. But uh, interestingly, uh, you know, six of those points, the the difference between teams, uh, came from uh, three penalty goals to the Roosters, which uh, with out of four attempts. <laughs> so, interestingly enough, that that came from on the back of a seven-five penalty count. So out of the seven penalties they received, four of them were within uh, goal range and three of them ended up with goals. So uh, very bizarre, low-scoring affair, which kind of surprised me a little bit. But 
Um, yeah, I mean, look, this doesn't really uh, help those conspiracy theorists who believe that <laughs> the roosters get the rub of the green when it comes to the refereeing decisions. So anyway, regardless of that, uh, a good win. They ground it out, but not too impressive over the Titans who haven't really been impressive this year. So Tish, what are your thoughts about this? Was this just the roosters cruising along? Um, I think I think a bit uh, as well. I mean, look, uh, the Titans, uh, I think the Titans are doing some things right. They seem to be uh, improving as a squad and, uh, you know, they're sort of competing in a lot more games, which is good to see. Um, meanwhile, I suppose the Roosters are very professional um, outfit. Uh, having said that, I think uh, that um, Trent Robinson was very disappointed with his squad, and I think he gave him a bit of a spray at the end as well, and they won the game. So that kind of shows you the standards that the Roosters play in. Um, you know, they're not happy with the win. They also want to play well to, to win as well. So, um, yeah, look, I think the Roosters, they were just on cruise mode, and that's, that's probably what caused it. And... Uh, yeah, I mean, look, it, it's kind of the time of the season where you can sort of afford a little bit to, uh, if you kind of know you're going to be in the top four, which they already know, it's kind of uh, kind of easy to sort of take your uh, take your foot off the pedal, which which I think they've have done uh, just for the for the last few weeks anyway. All right, uh, Canberra fourteen over the Cowboys twelve. Uh, the difference being a penalty goal, but uh, again, two tries apiece, low scoring affair. They did what they needed to do, but you know the score was the remained the same for the last twenty three minutes. So again, uh, I'm sort of it's puzzling to see that in situations where the games are so tight that uh, no points are scored at all in the last twenty or so minutes. It seems to be a pattern that we're seeing quite a bit that there is a very slim lead that was held on to for quite some time. So congrats to the Raiders, but again, not perhaps not as impressive as uh, as they could be considering that they were last year's grand finalists. Uh, what were your thoughts mm. on this? Well, I, I think Canberra uh, have been suffering a few, a few injuries and they've sort of come off a bit of a rough period. So, um, but look, they're, they're winning games uh, and they are sort of hanging around. But I think they're falling off the pace a little bit. If you look at the top four, um, I think they're sort of, you know, just sitting a little bit outside of that. So uh, interesting how, they, how they're sort of just petting along at the moment. So can they go up a gear? I'm, I'm not 100% sure. Meanwhile, the Cowboys, um, they've been pretty awful this year. And, uh, you know, they must be they must be towards the, the bottom of the ladder. Um, I think without the... Yeah, so, so uh, not a very good season for the Cowboys at the moment. Just, just uh, you know... Treading water until next season starts, I feel. Yeah, they're equal uh, second last with the other two Queensland teams, <laughs> with the Bulldogs uh, absolutely last. So, yeah, they're coming 13th technically, but mm. uh, only on six points, so three wins only. Uh, all right, who is impressive is the Panthers. So the Panthers winning seven tries to two, 42-12. Uh, look, they are... And, and considering... Manly are no slouch either. They are, look, they are with that loss. They actually dropped to ninth, but they were in a in striking position of uh, you know of of jumping up to sixth place, and they, unfortunately they missed out. So they you know they're kind of a, at the bottom half of the top eight. But this isn't a team that uh, you know you should be flogging forty two to twelve. This is just that was just an unbelievable result. What are your thoughts on this, Tish? Yeah, look, I think uh, Manly did their best impression of the Broncos, um, <laughs> and and not 
turning up as, and which Des would have been absolutely angry about. But look, on the other side of the Panthers, everything is going well uh, this season for them. It seems like everything they touch turns to gold. Um, you know, the, the most disappointing news for the Panthers is uh, is their star Nathan Cleary could, um, you know, could might have a, a major portion of his life. Um, you know, turned around as the Australian government is looking into TikTok. But apart from that, everything else seems to be smooth sailing for the Panthers. All right. What wasn't smooth sailing, like I said earlier, was the Eels' uh, 18-16 slimmest of victories over the Bulldogs. Uh, should have been a lot more than that. And considering, again, this is a, the biggest cause for concern, I would think, is that Look, basically, they they went out to an eighteen nil lead uh, after twenty eight minutes. So they scored the first three tries unanswered, and then they just totally let the foot off the gas and let the the bulldogs back in it. And and really, uh, if it wasn't for and so three tries that were scored, uh, you know, one before halftime and then two just after halftime. Uh, again, it was a good half hour of the score being 18-16 with no change at all to the scoreline. Absolutely bizarre to me that there was no, uh, you know, no further points by the Bulldogs considering they had mounted an amazing comeback to get to 18-16. Uh, but them's the breaks. But, yeah, they basically uh, they got close, but the Eels held on. Uh, not much more to say, I think. I think what I saw, uh, you know, was basically the Eels, uh, I think, really taking for granted uh, the Bulldogs. They, they, they weren't really at their, at their absolute best. There, there was a lot of kind of silly mistakes and, and not a lot of enterprise, uh, which is kind of not what we would expect from the Eels. So I think this is a case of they took their opponents a little too lightly and just expected to win. And I think... Uh, that's a, a danger sign, I think, for Brad Arthur. What are your thoughts, Tish? Yeah, I, th- I think so too. I think it's uh, yeah, a bit of a yeah, a bit. You know, they've kind of got their full squad again. So the fact that they sort of uh, took the foot off the po- uh, the pedal a little bit is a bit disappointing. Of course, maybe Daly Cherry. Uh, sorry, no, Dees. Uh, what's it? Uh, Dallin Wateni Zelazniak. Um, you know, uh, maybe revealing that he might be an Eels uh, player next year by playing the ball the wrong way. Um, <laughs> but still, um, you know, going out there. And, uh, you know, it was great to see, uh, you know, this traditional rivalry uh, in COVID times uh, being played at ANZ in front of 5,000 people. So um, uh, I, I don't know if, if you might as well just not have fair <laughs> crowds back if you're going to play at ANZ. Um, because it would have felt like an empty standing with only 5,000 people there anyway. But that, but look, that happens um, in normal times, though, <laughs> not, not just pandemic. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's yeah. true. So, so look, I think, um, yeah, look, I think it, it, look, the, the Eels won. Uh, the Bulldogs have been showing a good fight, but I think the Eels, they, they look, they, they had an off game. So um, I don't think we could read too much into it because, look, it is the mid-season. You've kind of, they've had a really good run. And, um, you know, this is probably the perfect team to not perform with the Bulldogs because, you know, you, you don't want to bring on this performance playing against, say, the Roosters or the Storm. Exactly. Speaking of the Storm, 26-16 winners over the Knights uh, after an initial early injury, I believe, by Cameron Smith. Uh, 
they, you know, they still managed to hang on and, and, and do what they needed to do. The Knights were pretty disappointing. They really didn't kick into gear until the 60th minute. Uh, they, they stuck with them a little bit, but they let the, the, the storm sort of get too far away. There was yeah. an amazing try by Pappenheisen who stormed yes. onto a, uh, I think it was, was it a loose bounce ball and just basically smashed through the defense and, uh, uh, yeah, absolutely a great try. Tish, what was, uh, what were your thoughts about this match? Well, first thoughts turning on the TV after watching the, uh, you know, COVID restriction rules at ANZ being enforced. <laughs> yeah. uh, watching this game on TV, thinking, is this from last year or something? Uh, because I don't know if you saw the the footage of the uh, the fans in the hill, but the stadium at Suncoast looked absolutely packed. Um, you know, uh, so I don't know if social distancing rules were followed on the hill. Um, apparently it was, but it was, yeah, it was kind of a bit hard to tell, but look overall though. So, th- so it actually was a, a pretty good atmosphere to watch, even though it was kind of a bit concerning watching it. But then, um, having said that, look, I, I kind of like the way that Melbourne played, to be honest with you. Like, I, I think when Cameron Munster is, is sort of the main playmaker, you've got to remember Cameron Smith was off most of this game. They looked at, they actually look like a very exciting team playing. Um, you know, so, and they have quite a lot of talent and skill in their team and they, they really came to the forefront. And with the Knights, I think that, you know, the Knights are kind of like this team where you kind of think they're going to go out there and absolutely blitz teams, but then when, when it just, they never seem to get a rhythm. And I don't know what that is. I, there could be like certain, um, certain things, maybe like, like, which is the way they play. Um, you know, maybe they've got Ponger, uh, playing in the wrong sort of rollers fullback. I think he's kind of good at sort of attacking the line and, it's not really good at sort of being that link man in the in the backs, a bit like how, um, you know, he's not like a, a Darius Boyd type fullback. I think he's more of a of a Billy Slater type, Heaven Housel type, like pushing <coughs> in sort of thing. And mm. I think that kind of causes a bit of an issue. Um, what's interesting is that they've signed Blake Green, um, and he's going to be playing for the Knights this weekend, actually. Um, and Blake Green, uh, you know, he's a very similar player to Mitchell Pierce. So I wonder if they're going to have, instead of having... Uh, one half and one five eighth. Whether they're going to have two halfbacks on the field <laughs> the whole time and how that's going to work. So um, yeah, very interesting how the, how how the knights. But yeah, I think they're just lacking something. It feels like the knights. Um, and and uh, you know, other than that, that they, they they just seem to be a little step down from the from the top four anyway. Yeah, uh, you did mention Green. Obviously, the Warriors released him immediately. Uh, oddly enough, and he found a home at the Knights straight away. So good on you, the Knights. But I think, uh, you know, look out for maybe using uh, Ponga being used more in potentially in the centres or, mm. or you know, because I think I think you're right. Well, and maybe look, maybe having Blake Green there means that some of Ponga's sort of weaknesses in defence can be overcome by having him more involved in a structured way within the attack, which is what's yeah. not happening at the moment. I think is... Uh, uh, they're not using him as effectively as they could be using him, and he is quite dangerous. So I wonder if Blake Green being that, uh, you know, we spoke about him in the past, didn't we, about how he was the kind of, uh, you know, he was uh, going great guns there for a while, a couple of years ago, and, you know, really it was because he was able to be that structured playmaker, um, the organiser, and that, that, that kind of is a role that goes a bit unsung nowadays, but... You kind of need that role being played by someone so that you can then get the likes of Ponga to do what they can do. So 
should be exciting, uh, exciting times ahead. But anyway, let's move on to tackle number two. All right, so the NRL is anxious about uh, what's happening with the COVID crisis because there is a potential that uh, we're going to have to lock out crowds for this year's State of Origin series if things mm. don't go our way in this second wave of uh, the pandemic. So uh, that's going to be a bit bit of a concern uh, where, you know, obviously we've got sort of socially dis... Well, apart from what you just mentioned at, Sound, uh, at the Sunshine Coast Stadium there uh, with the Storm and Knights game, but generally everyone's following social distancing and the crowds are lower. But we may be in, in for a situation in October where... For state of origin, we actually have to lock out the crowds completely. So that's a bit of a concern. Tish, what is your thoughts on uh, on that possibility? Well, I think uh, ultimately, if state of origin gets played this year, even if there's no crowd, I understand the crowd is a big part of the atmosphere. Um, I'm still okay with it because I think ultimately safety comes first. You know, the the health of the nation, the health of People, not not just the nation, but internationally, you know, every country is sort of being affected by this COVID crisis. You know, it's kind of disrespectful to put state of origin above that and allow the crowds to, to play if, if if so many people are going through this pandemic at the moment, which we are. So, um, so yeah. So look, obviously, it is. It would be very anxious for the NRL um, to you know uh, with what's happening. I know for the next two weeks, it is something that they're going to be monitoring heavily. Um, what the numbers are going to be like um, every, you know, just about every day, what the increases are going to be like, how um, obviously um, Victoria as a state has been affected the most. Um, and, you know, they're, they're also probably going to monitor the, the six-week situation that is there at the moment. Um, you know, let's hope for everybody's sake, uh, not just rugby league, but beyond let's, that, that um, you know, we can sort of get on top of this virus. This virus will stop spreading in Australia. Um, that people will, in their day-to-day lives, do the right thing, um, and just sort of, you know, ma- you know, keep themselves distanced from from other people while while we're going through this. Um, and I think, and I think we should be able to 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 hopefully um, have, you know, e- even if we don't have, I'm happy with no crowds. I'm happy with 10% crowds, 25% crowds, even if we have to have a, um, you know, the crowd in a social distance way. I'm fine with it too. I think the other thing that we might need to remember is that um, with the actual virus itself, I know there were talks earlier, and I don't know how accurate this information is because you haven't heard a lot about it yet, but something about how it doesn't really handle the humidity um, and the warmer temperatures better. So maybe maybe the other the other thing the NRL could do is maybe lock down the teams into a uh, and, and take them to an area that is. Uh, that is sort of a bit more north uh, in Australia, sort of thing. So maybe all three games will have to be played at, you know, in Townsville or something like that to try, sort of get the games in, which would be obviously a huge advantage for Queensland. But they kind of need it this year, uh, based on how the NRL teams are going as well. So so maybe that might be able to even it out. And then on top of all of that, obviously the other thing is if you're going to have crowds, you're also going to encourage travelling and interstate travelling, which at the moment is a big no-no. So. Um, that's going to be interesting too because if you're going to allow fans in, how are you going to stop uh, the potential of people trying to get to the game and not observing, you know, the whole situation there either? So, uh, 
yeah, some very interesting times for the NRL. I think just like everybody else, um, you can't rush these sort of things. You just got to just got to see how the situation is hap- is happening and deal with it. Then uh, we're going to get back to it's a fluid situation again, and I think that's what I think that's what it is ultimately. Yeah, absolutely. I think uh, it's going to be disappointing if uh, if you know, and very weird. Uh, and look, what I don't hope for is that the if if we don't have crowds at the you know the TV broadcasters don't don't put their silly canned uh, noises, oh. <laughs> crowd noises, <laughs> yeah, because that would be absolutely unbearable. Uh, but it would be it would be weird knowing that you know there's literally no one there. And look, I've I've seen some other sports, uh, you know, recently where there's been no crowd at all. You know, some European sports, uh, soccer in, in particular, there's been no crowds in some leagues and. It's really weird. It's it's kind of eerie. It almost like uh, you know you can hear the noise reverberating around the stadium. You can hear so much of what the players are saying. It is kind of different, but it's also look. I, I'm going to try and put a positive spin on this and say, look, even if the worst happens and we need to kind of uh, well, it's not the worst, but if one of the worst things happens that we we have you know the crowds can't go and it's just a closed kind of stadium. I think it will be fascinating. Uh, to hear what actually happens uh, on the field, uh, you know, I had I remember one of my early, one of my memories of uh, you know the the Olympic Stadium in Sydney, which uh, I, don't, I forget. Let's just say it was called the Sydney, you know, the Olympic Stadium. I think it was called something else initially in its early days. Stadium Australia, I think it used to be called uh, in its first configuration prior to the um, to the Olympics. Uh, one of the first games that they played, I believe, was like a State of Origin series, State of Origin game. Uh, and I was there, and I remember it was kind of a bit of a light rain, light raining evening, and uh, it was, I just got to say, the the noise, something about the acoustics of that stadium, the way it was set up then, which is obviously different now because it's uh, post-Olympics, it was completely reconfigured. But back then, there was something about the acoustics that it really amplified the sound in the middle. I mean, you could hear, even with all the noise of a full crowd, you could hear all of the hits from far away, almost at the bleachers, the seats in the bleachers, you know. And there's something about that kind of atmosphere at the ground where the acoustics are amplified that when there's no crowd there, it can only amplify it further. And, And I think potentially we might be, you know, in for a bit of a treat if we... If we get the acoustics right, and if the uh, the broadcasters actually play us at home, what it sounds like, um, it will give us a unique insight into the the hits and the 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 the, the, the chattering that goes on and all that sort of stuff. Um, I'm looking forward to it if that does happen. Uh, equally, I'm looking forward to seeing even a smallish crowd because. Again, uh, the sound will just amplify and uh, it will be a great experience for those of you watching at home. So looking forward yeah. to it either way. Um, well, well, I think people have been missing the cinema-going experience. And uh, you know, what you've just described is, is something, something out of an Alfred Hitchcock movie, you know, where you know, the subtle sounds become the entertainment, you know. Um, the rain hitting the grass, um, you know, the deep breathing of players – uh, you know the heart racing uh, at the kickoff. Maybe, maybe the NRL needs to put special technology in there, so we could get the uh, the full 
you know, experience, almost like a horror movie, you know what I mean? Uh, you might, uh, like, for example, you might have a player, you know, he's sort of, he's uh, sort of on the attack and, you know, breaks away, uh, you know, and he's headed towards the try line. And then you could hear the thumping footsteps of, like, another player chasing them down, something like that. Wow. Well, if that were possible, that would be really great. Equally, I'd love to hear the the slipping over of, of a Mitchell Pierce-type character <laughs> yeah. as he attempts to uh, catch the ball, you know, or, or Mitchell Moses slipping as he tries to go for a goal kick, you know, like that yeah. kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. All sorts yeah. of interesting noises that we could hear. Probably some yeah. of them that we don't want to hear as well. So yeah. every, just... every, every every time there is a drop ball, I want to hear a boing. <laughs> <laughs> this is what I want to say. I want to see. I want to see the state of origin uh, merged or mashed with uh, Warner Brothers. Uh, <laughs> you know, <laughs> Looney Tunes or whatever. You know, uh, absolutely. And and you know, like when um, instead of the referee's whistle. I want to hear the road run up. Me, me. I want to hear that. <laughs> yeah, I want to hear me, me. Uh, we're going to go to the bunker. Ref- we're, we're, we're looking for a try, you know, that kind of thing. I can't, I'm looking forward to it. Already you got me excited there, Tish, with uh, some of these ideas. But um, let's wait and see, shall we? <laughs> all right. Yeah, let's do it. Let's. Uh, all right. We're off to tackle number three. Here we go. All right, so Todd Payton has, uh, you know, shockingly and publicly rejected the Warriors' coaching job uh, that was uh, handed to him or offered to him. Sorry, and uh, you know he he apparently is doing it because he's possibly in line for the Cowboys gig that was vacated by uh, Paul Green very recently. So Tish, now you saw what happened. He was being interviewed on a television show. Here in Australia. Yeah. Uh, so for those of you who don't know, Todd Payton is, he's currently, uh, the I guess, the interim head coach of the Warriors since uh, Stephen Carney was sacked about a month ago. Uh, you know, he's had his ups and downs. So they've, they've kind of, um, you know, had a couple of losses, had a couple of wins kind of thing. So he's doing all right by them. And uh, he was interviewed on a show called, I think it was NRL Tonight. NRL three. Yeah, NRL Tonight or NRL 360, something like that. Um, so the interviewees were Paul Kent and uh, – and uh, sorry, I forgot the other uh, – he played State of Origin. Ben Iken. Ben Iken, yeah, Ben Iken, that's right. Yeah, t- talk, us through, Broncos, talk us through it because you saw it. Talk us through what yeah, happened. Yeah, yeah. Well, look, it was, it was kind of interesting uh, just the way it all played out because, like, it pretty much went like uh, – it pretty much went like this. This is my blood sort of commentary on it. So, you know, they, they just sort of obviously welcomed Todd and then they asked him, so, you know, how's, you know, how's everything uh, going with, you know, your appointment at the roster, you know, at the Warriors, um, you know, any word of, of what's happening, you know, in the coaching situation. And then Todd goes, well, actually, I had an interview 10 to 14 days ago is what he said. And then so, and then he goes, it went well. And they're like, oh, okay, yeah, so 10 to 14 days, and uh, and w- what do you think? And he goes, well, they actually offered me the job seven days ago, uh, but I turned them down, <laughs> right? <laughs> and, th- and then he just didn't say anything. Uh, oh, no, he said, oh, no, I turned them down uh, because of personal reasons, right? And then they're like, okay, uh, all right, well, um, you turned it down. What were the negatives of, of turning it down? 
uh, the negatives of, of having the rooster job uh, of having the warriors job that forced you to turn it down and he's like well um and his wife's family i think his uh, father-in-law is going through chemotherapy so he goes yeah i'm going through a family situation and um and that's been the main reason i you know obviously it's very hard for me to do that but you know my my father-in-law is going through chemotherapy and they're like oh okay so then i said all right well you know, they said, well, you know, the, then they asked him, well, you've been wanting, you've been an assistant coach for a long time. You feel like you're NRL ready. Um, you know, like, um, uh, is there any, uh, like, you know, what, what are your plans going to be for the Warriors? Are you going to st- stay on for 12 months? Because, yeah, of course, I'm going to stay on for 12 months and it would be a great opportunity for the new guy coming in because I know they've got an NRL ready coach, um, you know, NRL uh, ready coach for, you know, for next season. Uh, as an assistant, which is me, and they're like, okay, great. And then they asked him. They said, okay, well, uh, that's that's interesting. So, look, if another coaching job would come around, uh, would you take it? And then he goes, well, I'm actually talking to other clubs already. Oh my <laughs> right? god! And um, and and you know, I just want to keep it private, right? And then they asked him, is it the Cowboys? And he said, yes, it is. Wow. <laughs> So, and you just got to watch it. And look, I may not got the whole blow blow like that, but it pretty much ended up like that. He just, you know, every time he'd answer, he'd, he'd hide something and then they'd just ask him a question and he'd directly give him the answer to the next question. It was, uh, <laughs> he, it was kind even, of... he wouldn't even like uh, lie about it. He's just like, you just got to ask the right question and he'll answer truthfully. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Uh, so, so, yeah. So, so the thing is, yeah. So he doesn't want to, so he, Says he's still committed to the assistant role, but obviously he doesn't want the top job. Um, but then, you know, he's got this situation where he probably needs to stay in Australia. And that's probably why the main reason why he probably doesn't want to be the New Zealand head coach. But on top of that, he, he probably really wants to coach the Cowboys. So I think for top Payton's uh, point of view, he really wants to be the coach of the Cowboys, which obviously if that's the case, then you would, you know, turn down the job for the Warriors. But I think this really points a real problem to how the Warriors are going to find a coach for next season. Because, I mean, look, I'll tell you what's in the year at the moment. Are they even going to be in the competition next year? Because at the moment, with the restrictions, um, travel restrictions that are in place, um, you know, they can't get back home. <laughs> um, so would they have to stay all the way up till next season? I mean, that's uh, that could be a very possible chance. And if not, if they do fly back home, what is the NRL going to do if um, the borders close again as well? Um, so I think that's a big issue that they've got. The other issue is obviously their assistant doesn't want it. So um, and there's some other, you know, probably every coach that's available at the moment probably wants the Brisbane Broncos job. Then there's also a Cowboys job. Uh, there's also a Bulldog. Well, now the Bulldogs job has been filled, but potentially there is a St George role and a Cronulla role. Um, that could also come on available in the market. Mm. Um, do you really want the Warriors role out of all of those different roles? Dr. T, what would you do if you're an up-and-coming coach? Would you take the Warriors job? Well, I mean, in this situation, and, and you know, back to the Peyton thing, I think uh, he's obviously, you know, I, I, did we mention that he's uh, he used to be assistant coach there under Paul Green? So he's got some... Yeah. He's got ties there, and I think his family's from there as well, or his wife's family. So that story about the what's happening with his wife's family and, and father in particular is is actually it would make make it a lot easier if he was situated back in Townsville, 
because I think yeah. that that's where everything is happening for his family. So when he talks about making a decision for his family and what's best for his family, well, the, what's best for his family is if he goes gets his head the head coach job at the Cowboys. That would be the best thing for everyone for his family. Mm. So that's that's that. But in terms of your question about you know would you go for the Warriors? Uh, well. In the current situation with the potential for restrictions and the potential that you'd be, you know, taking a lot of players away from their families for a significant period of time, the travel restrictions, etc., would put a stop to some of those, that freedom that you would have normally, uh, it would be extremely difficult to manage. And I think more than anything else, it, it can definitely play with uh, players' mental state and their resilience if they know that they're, you know, they're going to be apart from their family for a significant period of time. Having said that, if that wasn't the case, uh, the Warriors' job, coaching job, I think, would be the pick of the lot because it's got so much potential. You've got so much firepower there, but also the potential to grow a club uh, and and really connect with uh, some very passionate fans over there. It's uh, there's a lot of potential and room for improvement. So yeah, I would think that there there is uh, you know it would be top of the pile in terms of uh, the available uh, clubs that you would want to be a coach for if you if you were allowed to be coached for for a year or coach for a day you know like that that would definitely be top of the pile but uh, yeah do you you agree with that? Yeah, I, I I totally agree. And you know just when you're talking, yes, you raise a lot of good points. It's the Warriors' role is going to be a lot more than being a head coach role at the moment. There's actually a whole lot more of uh, work you need to do. You talked a lot about organisation. I definitely agree. There's, there's probably a lot more ad- admin and, and organisation work that needs to happen. And then I started to actually think about it, Dr. T, and I think and this is a really good opportunity for the Warriors because um, this could be an opportunity to make NRL history and have the very first female coach um, mm. you know, head coach. And I've actually got a candidate for you. She'll actually be the first Asian coach as well for the NRL. But I think Marie Kondo, you know, if you <laughs> want organization, I think that, um, you know, the Marie Kondo style of organizing and cleaning up is exactly uh, the type of, uh, you know, the KonMari method is something that I think the uh, Warriors need to adopt. Um, wow. They might even do some declutter exercises instead of the Haka to get themselves brewed up for games. What do you think about that? Maybe folding their own jerseys. Um, you know, they're doing a lot of traveling. Um, so being able to pack a travel bag the most efficient way is probably one of the one of your major tasks as a, as a, refer- as a say, coach. I think Mari Kondo is actually – she's gone from from from, from – out of nowhere to, I think, the, the, the most likely candidate for next season's Warriors coach. What do you think, Dr. T? I think you're, uh, you're, you're going to be crazy, but, <laughs> but, but I think, look, uh, like I, I was just trying to think, uh, yeah, the condo, the Marie Kondo method, uh, potentially, you know, I just wonder if, uh, you know, Conrad Harrell isn't playing anymore for the Warriors, is he? Who's he playing for? I'm thinking the con the Conrad um, the Conrad Marie method uh, might be might be a way to go. But look, uh, obviously, or, or maybe the Nicarima Cody Nicarima method. <laughs> the, the Cody Nicarima, yeah, that 
That's that a, could work. That's really what you know. I'd like to see, but look, I'd like to see her as a coach. Wouldn't that be interesting if you have a poor performance and she says, "You do not bring me joy. You are fired." <laughs> you know <laughs> that kind of thing. All right. So you really want to bring joy to your coach. Put it that way. Uh, yeah. If if she's a coach, but look, yeah. All jokes aside, I think uh, you know that it remains to be seen who would. It's not really a poison chalice, but it's getting to be a bit like that, the the Warriors coaching job, because you, you just don't get the thanks for it and there's so much pressure and with the amount of firepower you've got at your disposal, there's just the expectations are super high. So mm. it really requires someone who's a bit more experienced in what they've been getting. So I think I'm actually surprised and that tells you a little bit about the, the way that uh, they're going as an organization if uh, the fact that they've offered a job uh, to an unproven nrl coach uh i think that is a, a major concern actually uh you would think that they would uh you know they would have opted for someone with a bit of experience uh, and not assistant coach experience but actually head coach experience because as we've seen in a few situations that uh, it takes a while for the assistants to really get their footing in the NRL, uh, you know, and mm. so it's been quite difficult. So I think that, that, that is actually a sign to me that there's something wrong with the Warriors, uh, you know, the, the head of football operations there, because, uh, you know, I, I can understand why you want to be loyal to your, your, your current interim head coach, but I would think that, Surely the uh, the job was open to to other people who were more qualified, in a way. Mm. So, um, and that's nothing against Todd. I guess it's just more an observation about you know uh, there are there are other coaches out there who've got experience who are waiting in the wings uh, to get another entry into their f- first grade uh, NRL coaching career. So. Yeah, very disappointing. But anyway, them's the breaks. Uh, all right, well let's move on to tackle number four. All right, so the Rabbitohs have won a tense tug-of-war with Suali set to backflip on the multi-million dollar rugby offer that he received. Tish, what is this story about? Okay, well, look, there is a young player out there uh, who had his birthday over the weekend, Joseph Suali, who is now 17 years old, but he plays both rugby and rugby league, and he... Um, South Sydney have been grooming him and have wanted to sign um, him, uh, and so has Rugby Australia. And apparently, uh, reportedly, Rugby Australia offered him $3 million, um, and but he's actually decided to go with South Sydney for $1.7 million over a three-year deal uh, that will obviously start next year. Um, yeah, so he signed it on his 17th birthday, which is the official uh, date that you could actually sign an NRL contract. Um, South Sydney have upgraded and extended the deal uh, apparently to four years now, uh, so it's worth $2.5 million. While Sawali has already agreed to terms with the Rabbitohs, um, his contract would not be registered until he was actually 17, which has already happened. And um, although he's already registered, he actually can't play NRL till he's 18. And look, the reason why this has been such a hot topic is obviously the tug and war battle between the NRL and uh, Rugby Australia in terms of signing this young player. But I think it also brings a lot of questions as well because um, obviously the first thing is um, to get him uh, to actually sign a contract before he's allowed to play. 
I think the uh, South Sydney needed a special exemption from um, the NRL, which they've been given. And now there's talk about how he might even start playing before his seventh, uh, 18th birthday. So another concession given to South Sydney, uh, which sort of goes against the rules. Obviously, what we had last week was Sonny Bill Williams signing for the Roosters and the whole two-contract situation that was originally placed on Benji Marshall, stopping Benji Marshall from earning money elsewhere. Um, you know, they kind of backflipped on that to try and get Sonny Bill. Yeah, they're doing the same thing with Joseph Sawali. Um, mm. There is another situation happening with Ricky uh, Latelli, which... Um, you know, uh, uh, the Melbourne store have only got $35,000 left in their salary cap. Um, but that the, um, uh, the NRL see him as a $60,000 player, but I think they're going to give him an exemption because of the fact that Ricky Lutelity was on a Toronto Wolfpack contract and he's not earning any money. So the NRL sort of feels sorry for him and, you know, sort of needs to sort of help him sort of, um, you know, pay his expenses. Even to get to Australia, it's going to be a struggle for him and things like that. Um, so that's another player that's been given a concession. Um, obviously, the situation that happened with the Bulldogs players that were like what banned for life and now coming back as well. So you know, lately there seems to be a lot of um, a lot of backflips when it comes to the rules and a lot of bending of rules. And you know, for a long time we've criticised player and player managers um, in terms of like their conduct and the way they've sort of handled contracts and and sort of not respecting them. But now what I think is scary a little bit is that the NRL themselves have almost become as bad as uh, some of the, um, you know, uh, misconduct of the player managers by also backflipping every time there is an opportunity. And it's interesting that the three teams so far that have been given these exemptions are three teams that, um, you know, sort of seem to be playing finals every season. So, Dr. T, your thoughts on all of that? Yeah, there's a lot to unpack there. Uh, look, I just I'm just so concerned about uh, you know the amount of money that's been thrown around to unproven people. Uh, you know, having said that though, the marketing sort of element and aspect of that, you know, getting attention of the media and getting the attention of sponsors and advertising and fans almost justifies the the means. You know, uh, and that to me is the broader concern is that the, you talked about the bending of the rules. Well, this is what happens when you don't stick to your principles. When you don't have principles, you just allow for the end justifies the means. The end being, well, it gets bums on seats or money in the coffers or whatever. Um, now, up to a point, that's okay, but I'm just sort of concerned about what that means. There's no broader thought to what what's going to uh, uh you know, like like the the comment from Peter Valandis about we're just going to look at anything that is of benefit to the game, but how do we trust that they're actually thinking carefully through the consequences? I mean, uh, you know, what do they say about the road to hell is paved with good intentions? Sometimes even if you've got noble intentions and you think, well, this is just we're just trying to improve the game and blah, blah, blah. If you don't stick to certain principles and don't understand what, uh, why you've got them, then you're liable to do things like, you know, allow Sonny Bill to come back to the premiers. <laughs> we, you know, like things like that, which you think, well, what's the harm? I mean, you know, he wanted to go there. 
he uh, they had space in the cab, and you know he was available. Uh, what's the harm? Well, I mean, there's a the thing. They're the premiers, the reigning premiers, and mm. we bent the rules to allow him to come in to benefit who the reigning premiers, not necessarily others. There was an opportunity to use his influence and his, uh, you know, th- that kind of thing for, uh, I guess, for another club that needed the the uh, the the injection of a star player not to be. Again, this is the thing. Like when people see that you're looking at uh, these dodgy situations without principles that it's really open to anyone to then uh, make a judgment call and then the fans don't get a say. And how much do you end up trusting the people that are managing the game? Not much. So there is a real risk that in every time there's a situation like this that uh, we we kind of make the wrong decision and don't really think through the consequences. So anyway, so that's what I'm going to say. But I, I want to segue into our fifth tackle, which is about uh, non-rugby league, but uh, still very interesting, very very related to the topic we've just spoken about in terms of uh, what attracts fans to the game. So here we go, tackle number five. All right, so Dwayne Johnson, famously known as The Rock, former WWE uh Player, entertainer, what would you call it? Entertainer, I guess. Sports entertainer. Sports entertainer. And now currently probably the biggest uh, movie star in the world uh, has bought the XFL, which is obviously a rival to the NFL there in America. Uh, He's bought it from Vince McMahon for, I think it's $21 million, which doesn't seem like much to buy an entire competition. But let's not forget, the XFL, uh, you know, was set to make its comeback this year uh, before the pandemic happened. And it's been, I think it, its initial season was like 20 years ago or something. So yeah. it, you know, it was seen then as maybe a bit of a joke. And since v- Vince McMahon kind of uh, continued that and was about to revive it, there was, uh, I guess, a continued sort of pressure of it being potentially perceived as a joke. Uh, but now with the pandemic and the need to sell it, and Dwayne had the opportunity with a consortium as well. One of uh, uh, one of the people that's involved in the consortium was involved, I believe, in the – he was the, the executive at the Oakland Athletics uh, basketball uh, – sorry, baseball, sorry, um, team, which was famous for – you, you know the Moneyball story. Uh, people hopefully know about the movie and and the book. Um, and so that person, I think it's Billy Beeman, is involved in this uh, consortium as well. But obviously Dwayne The Rock Johnson heads it up and obviously put a lot of money into it as well. And so, look, that doesn't sound like it's a rugby league <laughs> type story, but I think it's for many reasons a fascinating story because I think there's quite a few questions Tish that have come out of this, and I want to ask those questions and see how we go. So, look, the first question I have is, uh, look, with that much money, you know, and with that, uh, you know, he obviously wants to do something with the XFL and uh, it, it, to be an alternative to the NFL, uh, you know, doing things like making the game speed up and, you know, addressing problems with the, the game that the NFL hasn't really been addressing. So I think that's part of the reason why they – it could potentially be an, an, a viable alternative to the NFL. Um, 
But my question is, uh, first of all, it's a shame he didn't sign uh, or didn't didn't purchase the Super League in the UK in rugby league because uh, <laughs> yeah. you know they they really could use a bit of an injection. But look, is this a sign? Do you think Tish of things to come with celebrities uh, being involved in buying? You know, I guess sporting competitions as opposed to just clubs. I mean, is it the kind of thing that uh, we're going to see more of? What do you think? Well, I think with the amount of money that uh, celebrities make versus the amount of money that uh, sports people make, it's kind of uh, very similar, at the, I suppose, at the moment. But then you've also got, uh, you know, celebrities like, um, you know, Kanye, is it Kanye. I think he's got a brand. You know, they sort of sell, yeah. like, uh, merchandise. Sneakers and, and things, things, yeah. And yeah. sneakers and like that. And then you also got the billionaire. You've got to remember, you've also got the billionaire celebrities as well, right? So even, even um, you know, the Tesla guy who's sort of a, a more of a celebrity, like he's kind of a, a billionaire and a celebrity at the same time sort of thing, you know? So, um, so yeah, so there is money in, and I suppose uh, social media and all this kind of stuff is also another reason why you have this situation where you've got quite a lot of people with lots of money who've got a very high profile and then um, them buying yeah. a professional league will uh, obviously help draw uh, attention to that. So it does make sense from that point of view, and I think it is something that um, you may see in the future. Um, it's very interesting what's happened with the XFL, and look, to be honest, the XFL was on its last legs. It actually had five weeks in 2020 this year. Um, the ratings for the first three weeks were good, uh, but then they started to dip a little bit towards the end of the remaining two weeks, and then they had to stop it because of the pandemic. Um and so yeah, so it's kind of uh, it's kind of failed twice. So I think that's why it's been uh, sold for you know twenty million dollars, which which um, isn't that amount of money um, you know for a sport. So I do see it being something that um, that it could yeah that that could potentially work. Um, I think another thing that you uh, I think what this also shows is that if the NRL or if rugby league wants to take a foothold in in north america it's actually got to find some celebrity uh fans um and it's got to have celebrity endorsement because i think um you know just you know an xfl you know sort of and it would have got nowhere without the famous people that were sort of involved in in it uh with vince mcmahon and so forth so um similar sort of thing with the rock getting involved it actually boosts that brand as well so I think the NRL uh, probably needs to learn a little bit something about how to use celebrity in a way to try and uh, sort of um, try and sort of, uh, you know, try and uh, uplift its image in, in the United States. So to answer your question, yes, I think, um, you know, who knows, one day there might be a celebrity buying the Super League. It could happen. I don't know. Elton John. Um, oh, you know, I just thought about what about Jason Stratham uh, buying uh, the Super League? Um, well, you know, what about what about the Queen? I mean, <laughs> you know, why does it have to be a movie star, Tish? Why can't it just be a rich monarch? Yeah, so maybe Harry can buy the Super League and, and Megan can buy the XFL. <laughs> That's right, maybe. Um, <laughs> yeah. Look, you made a good point about, you know, you know, getting uh, in some of the, the pioneering nations an investment by a celebrity. 
you know, one wonders if, uh, you know, maybe if The Rock and his consortium have invest had invested in US Rugby League, uh, that what what kind mm. of impact would that have on on the game there? Uh, you know, maybe maybe all the things that they're trying to do with the XFL to to kind of improve the game will lead them to understanding that, you know, maybe the way to really improve the game is to turn it into rugby league. <laughs> Cause maybe that is the best, uh, you know, it's, it's a bit like what we've, we've heard recently with uh, all of the changes that rugby union has started to kind of make since it's, since it turned professional, you know, in the mid nineties, uh, a lot of it really boils down to turning, almost turning it into the game of modern rugby league. Uh, you know, we're, we're talking about things. Well, there's some things that they still want to hold on to, like scrums and things like that. But, but really, a lot of the other sort of uh, initiatives that they that they've done to try and speed up the game, it ends up looking like a game of rugby league when when you see a game of rugby union sped up. And so, you know, similarly, you know, maybe some of the things that we we would be seeing in the game of uh, of American football in its XFL incarnation. Uh, might get us thinking, you know, maybe, just maybe, uh, this is an opportunity to then, you know, for players who don't quite make it to the NFL, there's an option there with XFL. But but maybe even there's an even better transition to rugby league that we should be thinking about. So, um, yeah, so yeah, some of those athletes are definitely, uh, you know, could end up, Look, especially if it's a type of game where there's fewer stoppages than the NFL, uh, and there's a, it's a lot more is required of their athletes in terms of stamina, and mm. and and that kind of thing. Uh, uh, you know, maybe I wonder whether that then puts them in good stead to make the transition over to rugby league. So yes, there's an opportunity here, I think, definitely. Uh, yeah, I, in in the US in particular, it. and maybe even Canada, given what's happened with the Toronto Wolfpack, you know, we need uh, who who are the best, you know, Canadian uh, sort of celebrities. I mean, you know, do we know many Canadian celebrities? Michael J. Fox, I think, is Canadian. Ryan Reynolds, right? Uh, Ryan Reynolds. Well, there you go. Ryan Reynolds mm. could definitely. But look, I'm I was kind of thinking that if if. The Rock makes some money out of this XFL, and if he wants to throw it around, let's just put the plea out there right now. Dwayne Johnson, The Rock, we love you, mate. We love your work. Uh, you know, Jumanji and all that kind of stuff. What we do want to see <laughs> is you putting some money into rugby league because rugby league is the future, mate. And yeah. and look, we even what we'll do, we what we'll do is if you if you come across, give us some money. Run the game over there. Uh, it can be your little kind of project. Uh, if yeah. you really want, you can even change the name of the game. We'll call it Rock Ball. Rock Ball. Rock yeah. Ball. How about that? Does that sound good, Dwayne Johnson? Get back to us. Let your people call our people. That's it. Yeah. Uh, that's right. Tish, that's my plea for Dwayne Johnson. Uh, yeah. What are your final thoughts on this? Uh, on on this uh, very interesting news story. Well, uh, look, I think Dwayne, um, he has done, I think he's done a State of Origin um, prequel. So he is obviously uh, familiar with rugby league. So rock ball, I think it's the future. You know, we're going to get rid of scrums soon anyway. So it, it's got no resemblance to rugby very soon. So um, why don't we just call it rock ball? And, uh, you know, you could 
You could be the US ambassador. You could be the world ambassador. You could turn this into the most electrifying sport in sport. Uh, and, uh, you know, and uh, we don't mind if uh, if rugby league has scripted finishes because sometimes it, um, you know, uh, it feels that way. Uh, <laughs> 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 so um yeah nobody nobody's ever shared a uh nobody ever says the anyway but anyway that's another story but yeah but look um but yeah but look uh i think if he wants drama action you know if he wants to be a player wasn't that one of his movies um then i think uh, or ballers something like that then uh then i think this is it and uh what a launch pad for all of his movies you know what i mean so we could have all the jerseys remember when uh russell crowe had the superman um the Superman jersey for South, so we're happy to do that as well. You know, we'll we'll just whatever you need, The Rock. We just need him on board. So um, I think that's great. So all right, we'll leave it at that. Let's move on to our final tackle, tackle number six. Here we go. All right, the tips for round thirteen. So after twelve rounds, we well we did well this time. We're in the positive. So I got six and you got five. Uh, that brings me to forty nine point five total, and you're at forty six point five. Here are the round 13 games. So we've got the Dragons against the Roosters. I think the Roosters are a shoo-in for this one. What about you? I think the Roosters as well uh, for this one. Um, yep. All right. Manly versus uh, the New Zealand Warriors. Uh, this is a tough one, but I think I think potentially Manly will uh, bounce back. Okay. Well, with uh, Todd Newton, uh, I'm going to go with the Warriors at the moment. They played well against the Tigers and... Uh, yeah, and I think Manly have been not travelling that well. All right, Rabbitohs versus the Broncos. Rabbitohs for mine? Uh, Rabbitohs for mine as well. Uh, yeah, I don't know when Brisbane's going to win the next game, unfortunately. Uh, look, here's an interesting one. Storm versus the Bulldogs. You know, <laughs> virtually first versus last. Mm. But are the Storm without Cam Smith for a few weeks? What does that do to them? Yes. I still think that they'll win but not by much. <laughs> okay. Um, I think that they'll win by plenty because uh, they seem <laughs> to be a lot more attacking without Cameron there. So so what does that say? So, yeah. Fair enough. Uh, Knights versus Tigers. I am tipping the Knights. Okay. Well, the Blake Green experiment begins, but I'm going to tip the Tigers. Of course. Uh, Panthers versus Raiders. Replay of the, you know, 30-year-old grand final. No, sorry. Grand Finals. Grand Finals. Well, the first one that they played against each other was in 1990. 90, yes. Uh, It it was 30 years ago. Geez, we're getting old, my friend. But I I think this will be a reversal of that first game uh, where the Raiders won that one. But I think the Panthers will win this one. Yeah, I think it's going to be a tight game up until the end when Api Corusau goes over and retires straight after the game. So Panthers for mine. (laughs) Uh, Battle of the Queensland uh, teams, Titans versus Cowboys. Titans, I think, will win this one. Yep. So the Queensland Cup 2020 uh, fixture. Uh, (laughs) Oh, God, that's harsh. (laughs) I've got to tip the Cowboys. I'll tip the Cowboys. Sharkies versus the Eels. This is a tough one because I think Mm. both, uh, you know, are out for a bit of uh, pride here. And look, I'm. I have to tip the Eels. I think they will win, but not by much. Uh, you know, the Sharks were really good last week, but they've picked Matt Moylan, so I'm going to tip the Eels. Oh wow! 
Someone doesn't. <laughs> someone's annoyed that he left the Panthers. <laughs> no, no, well, well, I think I think to be honest, the young players were doing so well, so I don't understand why you would slot somebody straight in. Maybe, maybe that is just a tactic with the lineup. Um, yeah, because like they yeah, because I thought their best player was the player they dropped. So how does that make? Yeah, anyway, so so maybe it's just a tactic to get him on later or something like that. But yeah, but the but the Eels, um, they've got too much class, and and I think the Sharks. Even though they've been playing well, I, I think we're a step below them. All right, fair enough. Well, that wraps up the podcast. Thanks, everyone, for listening in to our crazy show. Uh, hope you enjoyed it. We are available, as always, on our website, ourrepublic.com. Check us out on Facebook and Twitter. And, of course, on iTunes, you can download and subscribe to our podcast. Uh, otherwise, if you want to reach out to us, send us any feedback at all. Send us an email at ourrepublic at gmail.com. Or, as I said, reach out to us via Twitter or Facebook. Tish, over to you to wrap this one up. Well, thank you, Dr. T. I'd like to thank everybody out there for listening. Uh, but that's all the time that we have for this episode of the Rugby League Republic. We are your hosts, Tish and Dr. T. Join us next time on the Rugby League Republic. Bye for now. <laughs>